0: previously on the Sunless Surveyor. what has happened to you? Are you... okay? Are you... yourself?
1: We could play. I could protect you too. Sleep. Huh? It's not time to nap. The fine... I can't do this alone. I
2: need help. So, you're not gonna be alone. We're here for you.
3: Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the Tavern Keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large, cloudy nebula for hair, speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome,
4: Welcome to the, the Storyteller Tavern, where stories are served like ale, and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is The Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, Cool. Will our adventure survive the descent into the dungeon? Or is there a dark and calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach?
2: And then Seeker's gonna go over and kind of like, you know, tap Meepo's shoulder. Uh, hey Meepo. Meepo? And Seeker's gonna continue tapping and saying yeah, Meepo's
5: yeah.
2: name. Oh, that be, that be, ah. It's time for our watch, Meepo. Come on.
1: Oh uh, weirdly and awkwardly he stands up. Alright, I'm up. Alright,
2: what are we watching? Oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna make sure no one comes too close and we're gonna make sure that if Napo wakes up, we get mortis.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah Sure. Maybe you can be on a Nipo watch. Oh, okay, I'll watch Nipo then. And uh, then you look as Meepo just makes his way towards where Nipo, a thorn as you guys know, is sleeping. Meepo then stands over Nipo, just looking intensively.
2: Just remember, Meepo, if Nipo wakes up, get Mortis, okay? Alright then. Okay
1: and then Mipo just keeps on looking at Nepo no more than a minute Mipo goes and then he kind of like sits down besides Nepo and then no more than a minute after he kind of lays down so he can look at Nepo and he stays observing Nepo lying down just looking face to face
3: do you want us to do perception checks Please go ahead. Guess who gets bardic Inspiration back? Hey. Oh.
2: 19.
1: It is dead quiet as you guys observe the darkness. And time passes
4: slowly.
6: So it has been quite dreary as of late. Uh, I was wondering if, you know, we could sort of talk about things to cheer ourselves up in some ways.
2: Oh, yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. I could always use some cheerfulness in my
6: life. Well, it seems that, you know, Faith brings you a lot of joy. So, I was wondering, do you have any favorite memories with Faith? Uh, well, I mean, she is my best friend.
2: Uh, so, yeah, I got some really great memories with her. I remember one time when we were a little bit younger and we were doing one of our lessons in the temple. And so there was me, and there was Faith, and there was my other best friend, Hummer, of hymns. I think I told you about him. I think so. Yeah, he's kind of gone off to kind of spread the word of the cat lady through song. I think you'd like him. He's amazing. Um, Sometimes I think he could do a little bit better because a lot of his songs are just him humming. But he's amazing at it. And we were learning about the history of Tom's rest, and Faith had gotten a hold of this tomato plant, and she was trying to like make it grow, and it, it didn't work. Uh, she kind of blew up the tomato plant, and the single tomato that was on there uh, kind of exploded all over the room, and it was that was a lot of fun. Our mama had a, quite a time getting all the tomato bits out of our fur.
6: How do you go about e- like exploding a tomato plant?
2: I don't know too much about magic, but yeah, it, it exploded.
6: That is quite the story.
2: Yeah. Do you have any uh, favorite memories with
6: Chrysantha? Probably, right? Because you guys really love each other. Oh yes. Uh, there's too many to count, really. Though well, there was. Hmm, there was all the times that we were with fortune sort of traveling with them there was also all the times that we were sort of on our own and we decided to find our own path that way when you meet ah, uh, you'll probably see her as this amazing hero because obviously she is but there was a time that you know she didn't really see herself that way our adventures starting out were Quite messy, I'd say. We weren't your typical heroic duo. We sort of messed up a lot. You know, Chrysantha was very headstrong, so we'd get into a lot of trouble. You know, with sort of enemies that instead of talking with, she'd charge in and fight. And it was quite something... And, you know, there was times that there were other heroes, and they might beat us to the chase, and she'd feel a bit down about herself. But, you know, I'd, I'd always be there and help her through those times. There are plenty of times that she wanted to give up being a hero. It is a lot of hard work. But uh, I think my songs helped. It was really nice to see her go from feeling upset about... Failing a mission or stumbling, and not doing things the way that she thought was right. And, you know, I'd play her a song to uplift her, and she'd smile, and it was wonderful. You know, out of all the adventures, I think that was my favorite part, just seeing her smile.
2: You two are really, really good for each other, I think. That's really sweet, Methuselah. I'm tearing up a little bit right now that's so sweet and seeker's gonna kind of like you know run their their paws like kind of like underneath their eyes to just kind of clear
6: clear them well if you ever want uh, i could play you her
3: song oh i'd love to hear it methuselah actually takes off their gloves to play this song because it is very special to them and it doesn't feel right to play it with the gloves on. There's, they don't know what this urge is and like why they have to do it, but they just have to take off the gloves to do the song. And yeah, as they do, you do see that both of Methusel's hands are, are ethereal and mage hand looking. Seeker will not bring it up right now. <laughs> That's fair. And yeah, they play a song that is actually incredibly hopeful and very light in comparison to a lot of the other things that like the other songs that you would hear them play and it does kind of give this very heroic sense and there's a lot of love in it and hope but oddly enough there's a bit of defiance in the song it's a defiance that i think methuselah themselves doesn't even know what the defiance is for but yeah the song is, is very beautiful and they really into it and you know the strings sort of even kind of light up a bit with a little bit of magic. Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: And because of that, you and Seeker are able to overcome the frightened condition that you guys have.
2: Um, afterwards, Seeker's gonna have their paw over their heart.
6: Methusel, that was, that was the most beautiful song I've ever heard. I'm, I'm glad, thank you very much. But. Don't give me all the credit, the inspiration is my muse.
2: Oh, well of course, you know, you had you had to have something to write about, and wow, I hope one day to just sit down with her and listen to her tell so many stories, and that would that would be amazing for me.
6: And trust me, she will talk. She can talk your ear off for hours, days, months, years.
2: It's alright, I grew up in a temple with a lot of long-winded tabaxi, I, I, I'll be fine. Don't worry about that.
6: I'm glad. I'm sure you two will get along
2: very well. And, and maybe, maybe Faith could meet her too, because I know that, you know, Faith has some kind of difficulties with, you know, growing with a lot of expectations. And everyone in Tom's Rest already sees her as a hero, but I don't think she quite sees herself as one quite yet. So
6: I think Chrysantha could also really inspire Faith as well. Oh, yes, I'm sure she'd have plenty of pointers about, you know, how to live up to those expectations. Especially the sort of ones that you have for yourself. I find that those are the most damning.
2: Oh, absolutely, because you can never really get away from those ones. You can always shut yourself in your room to get away from other people's expectations, but yours will follow you around just as much as your shadow will.
6: Exactly. Well, it was very good to play that song again. I can't really remember the last time. played it.
2: I I think it's a good thing for you to play it. Maybe even just every few days. I I wouldn't turn down another performance like that. Yes, I wouldn't mind playing
6: it a bit more.
1: The rest of the watch is more a little bit about quiet, calming small talk about aspects of life outside of this dark, space that you guys find yourselves venturing in. The watch ends, and you guys can put on yourselves the effects of a long rest. Thorn, you wake up slowly, very well rested, like a sleep of a thousand dreams. And you see Meeple laying beside you, sleeping.
5: What is the last thing Thorn remembers?
1: The last thing that Thorn remembers is the room with the goblins screaming at him to drop everything, all the weapons, your friends to drop their weapons and to let Grell decide your fate.
5: I think Forn gets up and he does like a big stretch over his head and cracks his back and he has his just... He looks normal, he has a smile on his face, and he actually shakes, starts shaking Meepo very excitedly. Meepo, Meepo, Meepo.
1: Ah, ah I'm awake, I'm watching.
5: Yes.
1: Oh, mm. ah, Meepo. Hello. How are you, did you sleep well?
7: Oh yes, Meepo slept very well, had a dream of many beautiful things.
1: Meepo just stands up, and then holds on to Meepo with an good embrace and starts jumping up and down in excitement. Nepo is good! Nepo is happy! Nepo is okay! Thorn starts
5: jumping as well.
1: Ah, uh, you guys see that taking place? I guess that would wake up Mortis, to be honest.
0: Yeah, Mortis will just like slowly, groggily wake up and he's gonna see Methuselah standing over him. Oh, hello. Good
6: morning, Mortis.
0: Good morning? Uh, how was the watch?
6: Oh, it, it was... Pretty good. I was wondering, how do you want to go about, maybe, you know, getting past the room?
0: <sighs> that is an issue. Uh, we were able to get past the first time without without Thor noticing, but, but I'm not sure that we'll be able to brush away this blood. Agreed.
6: I know Thor likes games, so maybe we could sort of use a game to get him to not look at that
5: room. As you mentioned, games, just like in the background, Thorn's like playing tag with Meepo.
1: And Meepo is trying their best to run after Thorn, but Thorn is clearly faster. Well, perhaps a game could
5: work.
0: Uh, Maybe once we're past all this, we can talk to him about what happened. Obviously, we we don't need to tell him what happened to the goblins, but we should address his relationship with this Marquis.
6: Oh, yes. I do agree. I think maybe we can do that maybe now, before we get on. Agreed. We should probably get Seeker as well.
0: Yeah, Mortis is going to move towards Seeker and just be like, Good morning, Seeker. How are you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing quite all right this morning, Mortis. How about you, my
0: friend? Uh, To be honest, I've woken up a little bit better, still dealing with things. Uh, Speaking of which... uh, Methuselah and I were thinking that we might all need to have a chat with Thorn about you-know-what. Obviously we won't tell him about the goblins, but you know, we we should see if he won't be a danger to himself or any of us.
2: Yeah, Methuselah and I talked a little bit about that. Apparently the two of you found a book and learned about this other friend of Thorn's. Yeah, I I don't know if this this friend is necessarily the best influence on Thorn, so I want to make sure that Thorn is safe and well taken care of, and I trust you to do that. But this other fella, I don't trust at all.
0: Well, on that we agree. (laughs) I know that even if you and Methuselah move past what happened, you might still feel a bit shaken, so if you'd like, I can take the lead on this situation.
6: Yes, I-, I think that'll be good. And I-, I do have an idea for a game that w- that I could play with Thorn.
0: Very well. Uh, I guess my only question would be, what do we do with Meepo? I'm not, sure, I'm not sure he'd be quite ready for this type of conversation.
2: I think I can think of a few things to distract Meepo. But yeah, I, w- I would also appreciate if you took the lead on Thorn, because again, you know him better than Methuselah and I do. At least you've known him longer so maybe he'll take it better from you
0: all right then well if one of you is able to distract Meepo, i'll have a little chat with our friend thorn
6: i don't mind uh, sort of distracting all right let's
2: do this and seeker's gonna take out some spare cat toys hey meepo you want to come and play a game
1: meepo who is clearly winded as follows thorn around not able to catch it in any way shape or form they hear you saying that offer and he goes yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah i'll get there and they slowly start approaching you
2: and seeker's gonna say to methuselah this works on all of the kids at the temple trust me
1: Alright, then yeah, you're distracting Meepo successfully.
2: Yeah, we're just basically throwing the balls like in the, in a circle, the three of us.
1: And with that, it provides the perfect opportunity for Mortis to approach Thorn.
5: Thorn probably doesn't even notice that Meepo is gone because he gets distracted chasing his own tail.
0: Good morning, Thorn. How, how are you doing today?
5: Thorn turns to you and goes, oh yes! Thorn is good
7: this morning. Feels very nice.
0: That's good to hear. Uh, What's the last thing you remember?
7: Thorn remembers many things. Some far in the past, some they don't remember at all. It doesn't matter. There's no point in remembering the past.
0: Uh, Do you remember what happened in the room with the goblins?
7: Uh, Lots of yelling. Only annoying things. No need to think about it because it's over now.
0: Understandable. In the back of Mortis' head, he's like, wow, that was easier than I thought. (laughs) Ah, well, there was something I wanted to talk to you about, if that's alright.
7: Yes, yes. What is it?
0: Well, during the encounter with the goblins, there was a moment where you seemingly lost control of yourself. Ah uh, you, you began acting erratically. Uh was like swallows voice says the next thing. I was able to stop you before you hurt anyone, but it seems as it seemed as if something was controlling you.
7: Oh yes, yes, sometimes 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 my friend will help me and get rid of people who are not friends of Thorn. And it's very nice because I wake up such lovely colors and don't have to wake don't have to deal with that anymore
0: you never told me about this friend of yours thorn Uh, what are they like
7: oh they are wonderful they're so much fun makes everything colorful nice and happy no pain at all never any sadness they make life perfect
0: and how did you meet this friend
7: in a place of many colors they became my good friend, and we've been together ever since. Cannot imagine a life without them. Hmm.
0: Is this place of colours the Feywild?
7: I don't know. There's no point in trying to untangle the past when there's such wonderful things to think about for the future.
0: Well, uh essentially, after you passed out yes yesterday, I I was trying to tuck you in and I found some strange objects in your bag, like, uh, like the, your book there, and, uh, is that how you communicate with your friend?
7: Spell tomb. It's where I put all the things that let me do magic. It's very nice. Very nice. I keep good care of it so that it never gets lost.
0: Interesting. Well, uh, also, I don't mean to pry at all, of course, but... I was looking through the book, and there were some pictures of you with your family. Ah, you never really talk about them much.
7: No point. Can't remember. I have a new family now.
0: Or it's just like smiles? Yes. Yes, you do. Uh, Ah. I'm not quite sure how to put this thorn, but I'm slightly worried that this friend of yours might be manipulating you.
7: What? No! No! Friend is... Good has always helped Thorn in times of bad, and makes bad times good, and makes bad things go away. The good, the good has always been there; will always be there, no matter what. I,
0: I see how you could think that, but this thing that controls you—it's dangerous. When it took over your body, it nearly drove Methuselah and Seeker mad just, I know that you would never do anything to harm us or to put anyone in danger, but from what I could tell of this friend, they don't seem to care much for anyone.
7: No, no. No need to be afraid. They will never hurt Thorn's friends. Only people who are bad and make Thorn hurt. But no, no, they would never hurt Thorn's friends because they love Thorn's friends.
0: I want to trust you. I do. You've come to mean a lot to me, but I can't deny what I saw yesterday. If I hadn't stopped you, I'm afraid you would have done something horrible under this creature's control.
7: No, no. Like Thorne says, no need to feel bad because Friend only does things to protect Thorne. Will not hurt any of my friends. You're all very safe. Do not need to worry. Only, only hurts those who are mean to Thorn. Yes, yes, only those who deserve it.
0: (sighs) Well, uh, it doesn't seem there's much I can say to dissuade you, but I need you to promise me something. If you are going to allow yourself to be controlled directly by this being, or take influence by them? You must, you must be honest with us. You know, uh, families are built on trust, and we must be able to trust each other.
7: Thorn will try. Thorn will try. Sometimes Thorn doesn't realize that it's going to happen. They just. They just close their eyes and, and, and let good feelings take over, and then I wake up someplace nice. It's much easier that way. No need to deal with Orn any pain at all. But but Thorn will try, and, and Thorn hopes that you will become good friends with, with my friend, too, so that we will all be happy together.
0: Well, I, I hope so as well, but you need to know that I may not be able to wash away your worries with dreams or colors, but I am always here if you need to discuss anything. You know, you're a good friend.
7: Oh, yes, 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 Thorne trusts the turtles. And, and he likes the cats and the elves, and he likes them, he bows. Yes, he likes all of them. We are all friends.
0: That we are, my friend. That we are. And he's gonna pull Thorn into a hug. <laughs>
5: He'll hug Mortis back, and then he'll crawl into his shell. And then he'll be like, sitting on his shoulders behind his neck and be like, Now we- we have lots to do. Still have to find other cats! We-
7: we must get going! Yes, we must!
0: Indeed, yes. And then Mortis is gonna sort of glance over to where Methuselah and Seeker are.
1: Uh, you glance over across the room, and you see them playing Meepo in the middle,
3: I think at some point, to be honest, Methuselah probably let Meepo catch it because he's like way too nice to be like, to do that to somebody and now it's just like Methuselah in the middle. But that does not last long as Methuselah uses their mage hand to catch the ball.
1: It doesn't last long at all because Meepo throws the ball the equivalent of a toddler throwing a ball. (laughs) It just Never even gets across to Mephusla's side.
3: <laughs> Instead of catching it real fast, I'll see like Meepo kind of throw it and that be like the extent of the throw. And I'll do this thing where like kind of like awkwardly like try to get it, but I'm actually pushing it towards Seeker so that it gets across. But I'm
5: like, oh no, I, I seem to have butter hands. I can't get this.
1: And then the candle lights go out.
5: Form will light a torch. After Thorn lights the torch, he'll actually kind of lean closer to Mortis's ear and says more quietly, ah, "This makeup that we put on me is starting to get very itchy and
7: gross, and Thorns is feeling a little bad lying to Meepo so much because he is so happy. Thorn wants to make a a better friendship by not lying with Meepo."
0: Well, <laughs> Mortis like he has a moment was like. This thing I'm about to say, I'm such a hypocrite. <laughs> Honesty is indeed the best policy. Um, you know, I, I believe that, you know, it, you can be a good friend without telling the entire truth. But in this case, um, it, it might be best to be honest with Poe. you know, just to... For the sake of the family, you know, Uh, they put so many hopes in you, but I believe that you're doing the right thing. Yes.
5: Thorn will kind of stare at you and be like, so do I tell him or like what?
0: I think it would be right to tell him, but you might want to wait until the best time, you know. We're not sure how he might react to that sort of thing.
7: Well. Now is a better time than ever because Thorne thinks that they're having an allergic reaction to this makeup being on for like three days.
0: Mordis will kind of glance over at Pazuzla and, and Seeker sort of like communicating with his eyes being like, I don't know what to do in this situation. And he's like, um, you, you know what? You're right. Best to tell him now.
5: Thorne will climb down Mortis's shell and he'll start walking towards Meepo still dressed up as Nepo and he will go up to him and be like hello Nepo. I-, I have something to talk to you
7: about ah, what is it Nepo? I haven't been completely honest with you
1: oh huh? I, uh, I mean it's okay Ripo is not honest sometimes too but he tells me it's when it's needed to make sure i'm safe well,
7: yes, this was a little bit of a similar situation where we, we wanted us to be safe, and we also wanted you to feel comfortable. But but the truth is, Meepo,
5: I am not Meepo.
1: Huh? What do you mean, Meepo?
5: I am not Meepo, no. And he'll use a rag to, like, wipe as much of his makeup off as he can and, like, throws the fake little horns out of his hair. And he'll look at Meepo and be like, I am actually Thorn.
1: He is perplexed. He sees you taking off the makeup and pulling out the horns as if something incomprehensible has just taken place in front of him. And he goes, Nipo transformed
7: to goblin? No, no, Nipo never existed. Uh, I was thorn, but I dressed up to look like a little dragon boy because we wanted... All the dragons in the village to feel safe, but Nepo was never there. It was always Thorn. I was pretending.
1: But but Nepo is family. It's it's Thorn family. And then he looks down, then brings up his hands to his to front of his face. Is Nepo, Goblin all along? No, no,
7: Thorn was never Nepo. Nepo. Was just pretend. Thorn can still be a family though, because family is not only those who are born into a group. Family is people who you love very much, and Thorn loves Mepo very
5: much.
1: Roll a persuasion check for me.
5: Oh, with advantage, because I told him I love them. I will allow it. Twenty-five.
1: Love me. Meeple looks deep within Thorn's eyes, and Mipo goes, "Mipo is Thorn, and Thorn is Mipo. Mipo is family, so I think Thorn is family, too. Yes!
5: And then Thorn's gonna hug him.
1: And Meeple hugs Thorn back.
5: Thor just, like, gives Meepo a big hug and then he looks over to Mortis with, like, a big smile, like, are you proud of me, dad?
0: Mortis looks over and literally, like, you could see it in his face, the look of I can't believe that worked but I'm happy for you. And he, like, he flashes
1: you a dad thumbs up. This situation unfolds in front of your eyes. What does the rest of the team do?
3: I'm gonna kind of go up to everyone else and be like, well, uh, since that everyone is rested, I suppose we should
6: head on
0: I would agree Uh, now that everything is out in the open uh, we should proceed so I guess we'll start making our way towards the goblin room for lack of a better term
3: I'm going to rummage through my disguise kit and take out some like random pieces of silk that are in there you know just randomly um and I'm gonna approach like Mortis and and, like Thorn because Thorn is
5: is he still sitting on Mertus' shoulder, or is he walking now? He's probably walking beside Meepo, just, like, having a random conversation with him. Okay. Then I'm going to walk up to the two of them and be like,
6: Would you two like to play a game? Oh! Yes! Yes, the one loves games! It's a game where we sort of have one person blinded and another person sort of guiding them through the room. It's a test of trust and friendship in a way.
7: Yes, yes. Earlier, Mortis was telling Thorn about trusting a family. So yes, yes, Thorn would love to, to do trust things with his with his friends and family.
6: Alright, then, it's a game. Ah, uh, Thorn, if you'd, if you'd like, uh, you can be the one blinded and I can guide you through the room. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, 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 Thorn can do that, yes. And, uh, Seeker, uh, I don't know if you'd like to help. You're into games. Oh, absolutely, I love games. We could sort of make a contest of it. We can blindfold Meepo, if you're interested. Help play. And Seeker, you can guide Meepo through the room. Oh, all right. Oh, oh, we will see who can guide the fastest and the safest. Yes, and Mortis will be our judge.
0: Indeed. Uh, before you blindfold yourself, it might be best if you hand me
1: the torch.
5: Oh, yes, yes, yes. And Thorn will give Mortis the torch.
1: You guys, make those plans. The torch is given to Mortis. And then you guys start heading towards the room that everybody's talking about. As you guys open the door towards the hallway with where once was all the caltrops you guys enter but something seems odd there are the caltrops at the very end of the sides of the hallway because Methuselah had swept them from the middle making a clear path for you guys to traverse this hallway but now there's something else odd in here there's a bunch of twigs in the hallway
0: Worse doesn't really say that he kind of just glances at everyone, gives them a very confused look. In the back of his head, he doesn't want to alert Thorn in case this is some weird marquee thing. (laughs) So he sort of glances at Seeker and Methuselah like, I don't
1: know what this is.
3: Can I do a perception check in the room? Could I also do one?
1: Sure, but allow me to ask this. What are you trying to perceive?
3: Anything that might have left random sticks around. Okay. You got a 22.
6: I got a five.
1: You try to discern what could have brought these sticks with a perception check from the door. Nothing seems to have left any trails in terms of what could have brought in. If you needed to inspect further, it will require you to do an investigation check, which implies you're going inside of the room to look further in as well and try to look around and investigate.
2: Would you permit Seeker to also try and investigate, even though they failed a perception? They're just, they don't know what exactly they're investigating, but they're going
1: to investigate. Sure. Anybody else?
5: Thorn probably sees Methuselah and Seeker kind of like going into the hall and looking around. And he gets curious, so he's going to enter and investigate as well when he sees the twigs.
1: The three of you enter the hallway, looking at the ground, looking around to see if there's any indication of anything more, anything... Additional, meeple and mortars are just at the door's threshold. Nothing seems to stand out. These are just twigs that were not here before. And this whole understanding reaches its zenith when Methuselah grabs one of these sticks to look at them. They are honestly just pieces of wood, thin, that you would easily find it in the forest out in the surface or in a maybe a small grove with thin branches when the stick splits showing little arms and legs and small little glowing dots appears in its central mass and scratches Methuselah in the hand and at that moment all 13 sticks splits and different little creatures starts to attack you guys let's roll for initiative all right, what is mortises?
0: In true Mortis fashion, I got a five.
1: What is Thorns?
7: I got an 18.
1: What is Methuselah's? 17. Seeker. 12. The first one is just beside Thorn. As it splits, animating itself, it runs towards Thorn and goes for its small claws attack. With a natural one, I think they leave themselves exposed for an immediate attack from Thorn.
5: um, I'll just use my dagger.
1: Valid, all right, go for it.
5: So that's an 18 to hit, and it will be six piercing damage.
1: You see the little thing running towards you with its small little wooden twig-like hands, full of little splinters that are going to dig into your flesh? Approach, and quickly you just pull your little dagger and does a swing cuts it in half, it isn't moved on the ground, dead. Nats is another one who is 10 feet away from Seeker. It runs towards Seeker with its small little twiggy legs. It approaches and goes for an attack. The small little twig creature climbs up to your knee area and scratches cutting through the pants slashing the inside for a total of five points of piercing damage. (coughs) Next one is another twig who comes close, and it's close to Methuselah. It tries to hurt Methuselah, but Methuselah just does a quick, like, no, get away. And, like, with the boot, just pushes the little twig away, and the twig just flies off a little bit, but doesn't do any damage to the twig. Thorn, it is your turn.
5: Lauren's going to cast a cantrip that causes this like blue light to illuminate around him as his eyes glow brighter and his claws and teeth grow longer with acid dripping from him as he uses primal savagery on the closest little dude to him. He will approach it if he has to. You get your Bardic Inspiration back.
0: Hey...
1: I'll do the following. Instead of you hurting someone, I'm just gonna say that you leave yourself exposed for an immediate attack from the little creature beside you.
5: He, like, goes to slash it, but it's so short he falls over.
1: Falls over, and the little thing tries to attack you, but actually just gets tangled on your hair. Anything else that you like to do?
5: Uh, Thorn will stand up, so he's no longer
3: prone.
1: Methuselah, your turn.
3: I am going to play a song on Yorick and the strings of york are going to kind of turn this red color and i play a song that the dark warden didn't really want other people to know that he liked but i knew that he liked it which was actually a very nice song about a fairy queen and her court it was very like kind of whimsical and not something you'd expect a big mean dragon to like he kind of liked this at his bedtime (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it's light and whimsical, echoes the sweet laughter, and I cast Fairy Fire, so they have to do deck save.
1: You would be able to affect about five of them. So three fails and two successes. Beautiful violet color starts to emanate as if it was a flame emanating from the little twigs, but it doesn't seem to hurt them but it's very nice for you to spot them.
3: And yeah, I'm gonna kind of change the song to be a little bit more kind of inspiring. And I'm going to give Bardic inspiration to Seeker as the strings on my instrument start to glow in a rainbow color.
1: Now it is the turn of one of the little twigs who is closest to Mortis. It approaches Mortis and goes for an attack. It tries to hit you but its little arm full of splinters is not strong enough to pierce your tough hide. Next is another one of them. This one is closest to Seeker. It approaches Seeker and goes for an attack. Another one climbs up to your boots and does another big gash on your pants as it damages you. A total of five piercing damage. But now it is the revenge of the Seeker, as it is your turn.
2: Seeker's gonna get the first one that, you know, got them. This is a 22, hit it. (laughs) Uh, 12 damage.
1: You kill it. You cut it in half.
2: And I'm gonna hiss at the other one. Just...
1: Now it is one of their turn. One of the ones that are flaming in violet color just runs closer but it's stubby little sticky legs cannot run fast enough and it's another one this one is able to close the distance with seeker this one tries to hurt you but your boots are very thick so it protects you from their attack alright the next two sticks runs as fast as possible to try to close the distance but they are too small to be able to come up Next one is the stick closest to Methuselah, therefore, it goes for an attack and is not able to pierce one of Methuselah's heavy boots. Another one of the twig monsters approaches Thorn and goes for the attack. A total of six damage is inflicted on you as this stick is able to actually slash you on the waist area. Thorn goes, ah, I splinter! Mortis is your turn.
0: Seeing as uh, Mor- Mortis is holding the torch in one hand, he's gonna reach down to his belt and pull out his flail, and then he's gonna smack it down on one of the one of the twiggy boys, the closest one to him.
1: It is one that is the one that attacked you, and it's close to Forn as well. Go for the attack.
0: I got a fifteen to hit.
1: Roll for the damage. That is six to you bring down the head of the flail that makes the little twig into a pile of splinters.
0: Aha! Timber! (laughs)
1: That's
5: perfect,
0: I love it. Even though it's a literal
7: stick.
1: (laughs) Top of the round, the stick closest to Methuselah goes for another swift attack. This one is finally able to catch you faster than your little shoves can and is able to pierce you through four points of splinter piercing damage. Thorn, your turn.
5: I'm gonna flank with Methuselah and I will have the same thing happen before where this blue glow happens around me as my fangs and my claws grow and start dripping acid as I use Primal Savagery on one of the twig men that is attacking Methuselah.
4: Roll
1: for the attack and with advantage, please.
5: That's a 25 to hit. And the damage? It's six acid damage.
1: You cut down this twig.
5: I imagine um, Thorn like leans down and grabs it in his mouth and then shakes it like a dog as it just like melts because of the acid in his fangs.
1: Methuselah, it is your turn.
5: So Methuselah is going to cast Vicious
3: Mockery on one of the ones that are flanking Seeker.
1: All right. In that case, I need to roll a wisdom saving throw. Does a 12 pass?
3: It does not. So Methuselah plays on Yorick a very light kind of jaunty tune. Yeah, and so these kind of like sound waves that mimic kind of laughter appear in the air and just kind of get hurled at towards this guy and he feels sadness.
1: Rolled the image for me
3: for psychic damage.
1: The nice little mockery tomb reaches the auditory sensors of this little creature. And you see in its white eyes with an afterglow of blue starting to flicker a little as it kind of like its top side of the glow lowers in a way that makes it into a sad eye shape and then it flickers more to the point that it does not flicker anymore and the little twig just falls on the ground, unmoving and dead. Hell yeah. Seeker, you're next.
2: Um, So I'm going to use my uh, uh, dagger to attack the other one, does an 18 hit it.
1: Yes.
5: Uh, 18 damage.
1: Perceiving through this piece of wood clearly know how to attack it. A very small thrust, and there you go, it's cut in half.
2: We'll take that, you skinny little rat bastard.
1: One of the twigs in the far back of the hallway finally starts to move and gets close, but not engages with anybody. Then this one is just beside Seeker's boots and it goes for an attack. It climbs quite quickly and scratches past the pants of seeker hurting seeker for a total of two piercing damage one of the fiery lit twigs finally gets close enough to seeker and goes for another attack but in its desperation to attack it hits the thick leather boot and it does not pierce through it another fiery one is able to go over pieces of the bodies of their fellow wooden comrades and is able to reach to Methuselah going for an attack. Methuselah though is able to see the little flinging creature approach and does a quick shove with his heel and it pushes the creature aside before he can attack. Mortar's your turn.
0: I'm going to move up next to Methuselah and strike the one that just attacked him.
1: You go 10 feet and just beside methuselah you're engaged now with the little stick go for your attack uh, 16 that's a hit roll for the damage eight damage you bring the head of the mole up in the air and with a wide parabola it actually is able to impact the little creature just as it's pushed out of the way by methuselah's heel crushing it and it's dead A very small one that is nearby is able to approach Mortis and it goes for one of its scratch attacks. In its desperate movement, it goes, but unfortunately it's not able to pierce the skin of the turtle. They don't call me thick-skinned for no reason. This one gets just close enough and puts themselves just beside Thorn, goes for a quick scratch attack. Unfortunately, the exposed knee of Thorn is scratched and does a total of three piercing damage. Thorn just goes like, ah! Now it's the top of the round. Thorn is again, go for it. Thorn is going to look at the
5: one that just attacked him and he is going to cast Primal Savagery. I got
1: a 15 to hit. Roll for the damage.
5: He will take five acid damage.
1: The quick, sharp, acidic claws of Thorn shreds the little twig that now is dead on the ground.
5: After that, Thorn is going to move closer to Mortis and Methuselah.
1: Thorn is now adjacent to both Mortis and Methuselah.
5: And after that, um, I think that'll be the end of my turn.
1: Methuselah, your turn.
5: Um, I'm going to cast
3: Vicious Mockery again. Uh, So yeah, as the strings kind of turn a violet color, the song that I play on Yorick to cast Vicious Mockery is sort of like a wah-wah as that one had failed to like hit Seeker. So I'm like, you idiot. You can't hit like a big cat. 18. That passes.
1: It feels like the twig is either unable to understand or just does not care for the mockery.
3: In that case, uh, I'm gonna keep playing and the song is gonna kind of turn into one that's a bit more uplifting and probably inspired a little bit by like what Seeker has told me about Faith. And so the strings are turning like shades of different colors, like rainbow colors, and I'm gonna give bardic inspiration to Seeker.
1: Is that all for Methuselah's turn?
3: Is there any sticks around me engaged with me?
1: No, not with you.
3: Can I position myself in a way that's like farther away from all the sticks, almost hiding.
1: You position yourself to an area close to mortars, almost behind Mortis. Seeker, your turn.
2: The one that didn't succeed in attacking me. I'm going to kind of leave that one alone for now because I kind of feel bad for it. Uh, But the other one, I'd I'd like to use my insightful fighting again. (laughs) I want to see if any of these sticks could possibly deceive me or if I'm just too powerful. 12 in this case. 11. So now I'm just gonna use my uh, dagger against it.
1: These sticks are so predictable. You know exactly when to hit. 15 to hit. Go for the damage. 13. As it moves side by side, trying to avoid your blade, you easily just put your blade on its path and it cuts itself on it dead on the ground.
2: Yeah, that's what you get for trying to fight me.
1: Next one runs in between the legs of Seeker and is able to reach to Thorn that is the closest one to it the past Seeker goes for an attack he goes for a quick jump to get the more exposed area of the skin past the knee but then Thorn is easily able to smack it out of the air before it could actually hurt him the little flaming twig still left to attack Seeker goes for their opportunity it goes to attack Seeker's boot, but it gets stuck on the little opening with the strings, and then it gets themselves loose, but it loses the opportunity for attack. Now it's Mortis' turn.
0: So Mortis is going to charge forwards triumphantly uh, next to Seeker, and he's going to whip his flail at uh, the one that just attacked them. And I believe it's with advantage, right? Because with a fire one.
1: Indeed, but there is one close to the area that you're going into. If you take one step closer to Seeker, it will provoke an opportunity attack from the very last one that was in the nearby area.
0: That's fine. He just kind of charges through. I'll take the opportunity attack.
1: Without noticing the stick on the ground, it goes for a little scratch on Mortis. On the back of your ankle, you feel a little scratch and sting as the little barbed, splintered like claws, cuts in, uh, Mortis's ankle, doing a total of three piercing damage. But now you're close to the one that attacked Seeker.
0: Gonna smack my flail down on top of that little stick. That is an 18 to hit.
1: Roll for the damage.
0: It's not great damage, I only got five.
1: The little flaming guy, it's getting ready for another attack on Seeker. When Seeker looks down, They see the little thing, and then as the weight of the flail head just crushes the little thing, splinters everywhere on the ground.
0: Before I end my turn, Mortis is going to kind of double back and engage with the one that bit him on the ankle. All
1: right, now you're engaged with it.
0: And that's all I'd like to do for my turn.
1: Mortis engages with the one, and as it does, it's the perfect opportunity for that little guy to attack It jumps and goes for its scratch attack. It face plants against the stomach area of the shell of Mortis and instead just tumbles backward.
0: So you might say that
1: he got shero-shocked. Top of the round. Thorn, you're back on it.
5: A red glow happens around Thorn's hands as he brings together this ball of sparkling flowers and he shoots it as a beam towards the twig that is trying to attack Mortis. Does a 24 hit?
1: Yes, it does. Roll for the damage.
5: That is 10 force damage.
1: The little beam traverses this small width of the hallway and connects with the little twig, destroying it completely, almost as if it was like a barrage of machine guns on the little thing. Thorn doesn't have
5: any clever puns. He just goes, you suck. And then that is the end of his turn.
1: Mifuzula, your turn.
5: Uh, I'm going to cast Vicious Mockery
3: on the last one standing. And as I do, the violet light of the strings actually starts to get a bit darker and a little more shadowy. And the tune that I play is a little more scary than anything of, like, trying to reminisce in that this one little enemy is the last one left and now all his friends are dead kind of thing.
1: Roll for the damage. Three damage. You see the little twig just beside Seeker put their little hand, splintered hands close to the areas where the little eyes are as if it was trying to stop from listening and then not only it feels like it shakes a little in pain it then looks to everywhere around it and starts running to the best of their abilities until it sees a little crack on the wall and just lunges itself into it leaving the area the combat is now over
4: You have reached the end of the episode of The Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. And be sure to catch our next installment of The Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12pm EST. If you'd like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts. And if you would like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon as well to join the conversation view sneak peeks of our Ornette's project and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Horton from Off the Beaten Path musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yami Portal by Wizards of the Ghost. The world of Nosso was created by Pedro Stockler, Thanks again for listening from all of us here at the Storytellers Tavern.